some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas and an upcoming Happy New Year for all. Just a quick programming note. I'm not sure what our schedule is going to be like this week with uh, the holidays and so forth. So the best way to stay on top of what we're doing is to follow us here at the Barroom Network on your YouTube channel and follow us on the X account at Barroom Network. So uh, let me bring in the man of the hour. Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas, too. How was yours? And everybody out there listening, belated yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I so saw you drive all the grandkids over? No, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> we were supposed to go over there on Sunday, and they got COVID. So, so that screwed that up. Um Wow. A couple of them came over here. A couple of the healthy ones came over here for a little while, and then we went um, to the uh, on Sunday night after the football games. Robert, we went to the uh, Lake County light display. It's called Santa's Rocking at the Lake County Fairgrounds, and uh, you right. know it only takes 10, 15 minutes to go through it. But uh, you know it's fun, so we did that. Had a drive to Milwaukee, pick up my stepdaughter yesterday morning. So she's here for a week or so. Well, I can relate to what you went through because my wife got COVID on Christmas Eve. She tested positive. And so actually it was the day before Christmas Eve. And so all of our plans were scuttled. We've been isolated here at home all by ourselves. I fortunately am not showing any symptoms. I've been staying away from my wife. So I feel terrible for her because she did so much to prepare for the holidays. And uh, we've had to push everything back to next week. So I can relate a bit to what you went through. Well, that's what we're doing with, with, with the kids here <laughs> is pushing everything back till next weekend. Excellent. Excellent. It doesn't matter when you celebrate Christmas because Christmas is every day, right? <laughs> Especially when the Bears win, right? Especially when won. the Bears win. And they did win. They beat the Arizona Cardinals and they did it convincingly. Tell me, give us your take on the game. Well, I don't know if I agree that it was convincingly. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you right. It got a little, got a little shaky there. Mm -hmm. Um in, in the second half, the first half was very convincing. Yes. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I think they they go into conservative mode uh, in the second half when they got leads like that. And it just, you know, they let – there's no killer instinct. I don't know if it's the players or the coaches. Yeah. You know, that killer instinct and keep your gas – keep your pedal on the gas just doesn't seem to be there. Um, I wish it was. But – Hey, I, you know, there could have been, we'll probably know tomorrow about the injuries. There could be a couple injuries in there with Komet and, and stuff. We'll see how uh, DJ's ankle is, but he played, I mean, he gutted it out more power to him. I mean, that, 
he he looked like he twisted it pretty good and he came out and played and he was used more as a decoy than anything else because you got to cover him when he's on the field but mm -hmm. um you know that took away from the passing game yep so can you see uh if dj moore is out if cole Komet is out for this upcoming game can you see perhaps the bears resting justin fields you know some mysterious ailments <laughs> it's <laughs> no not at all. They, they got to get all they can on him um, to make a final decision. And I don't think that decision has been made. I saw you on your social media account. Uh, very uh, declarative that uh, Justin Fields wasn't going anywhere when I posted something saying that next Sunday could be his last game at Soldier Field. What makes you so convinced that he's not going anywhere? Wow. It's a great question. And I, I got a lot of reasons for it. I, I should have pulled up the article I just wrote for, for Windy City Gridiron that will be posted a little later today. So I have the, the exact years going back to 2015. First, there is no guarantee that if they, if they end up with the first pick, even the second pick, because they're going to get one or the other, um, that if you take a quarterback there, He's going to be the answer. You go back to 2015, like I said, I don't have, I, I did the research when I was writing this article, so I don't have the exact stuff in front of me. The um, 2015, Jameis Winston and, and Mariota went one, two. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, you could say both are busts. Huh. Okay. Um, next year, you got the, can you pull up the 16 draft? That'll, that'll help me because then. Uh, yep. 2016 NFL draft coming up. All right. So, oops. I'll put it up on the screen here in five seconds. Oops. Give me 10 seconds. <laughs> All right, so Jared Goff goes, goes okay, one. Jared, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Oops, where did Goff go? can't get the job done in L.A. They end up trading him for another guy who was a first overall pick, Matthew Stafford from 2009, mm -hmm. uh, who had an up and great – couldn't win a game in Detroit, but had great stats. Uh, and then – Takes his first year, takes the Rams to the Super Bowl, but has been very so-so ever since. Mm -hmm. uh, Carson Wentz, bust. Okay, now can you pull up the next one then, 2017? Sure which can. Which I think is, is Baker Mayfield, isn't it? Uh, that is the Baker Mayfield draft. There, there he, no, that's uh, Miles Garrett goes Okay, first. Miles Garrett. Oh, Mitch Trubisky. Okay, so the first quarterback is Mitch Trubisky, and then the 10th overall pick in that draft is the guy who's the best quarterback and one of the best players in that draft. Mm -hmm. You can't take anything. Miles Garrett's one of the best players, too, but but that's Patrick Mahomes. Right. So, okay, so that, now that's three years in a row where the first quarterback uh, hasn't lived up to expectations. Then the following year is Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. 
That's right. I won't call May, uh, Mayfield a bust, but he's been a journeyman. He's already on what his fifth team. Fourth or fifth, yeah. Fourth. I mean, he's been with the Browns, the Rams, the Panthers. Now he's with Tampa. Maybe his fourth team, but you know, he's a journeyman. He's hot and cold. He's never going to win anybody a championship or even come close to winning them a championship. Sam Darnold's the next guy who goes to two. Then Buffalo trades up to seven to take Josh Allen. Who's the best player? Josh Allen. Yeah. So, and and one and after Patrick Mahomes, he might be the, you know, the next great quarterback in the league. And then you you can fast forward to the twenty one draft. And there's a little caveat with the twenty and twenty one draft. But the twenty one the twenty one draft is the Justin Fields draft. Lawrence has been good. Has he been lights out? No, oh. he's been good. Um, but then Zach Wilson, bust. Trey Lance, bust. And then you go down to where the Bears got uh, Fields, and Fields is the second best quarterback in that in that draft. But the whole point being, I mean, you got several examples there where these top quarterbacks haven't done a damn thing. So what's the guarantee that you could take a play? And I'm going to say this right now, Caleb. Or yeah, Caleb Williams is not a lot to be the first quarterback off the board. I've talked to too many people now that are so concerned. He he didn't have a bad second half of the season. He had a horrible second half of the season, starting with the Notre Dame game, and he never recovered. So that's a big concern. We talked about that before because you know what you got to find out is why. Why did that happen? There's no question he has great talent. But what's going on upstairs that that caused him to have that drop off? And can you trust him to that? Trust him in the hopes that that'll never happen again, especially if you get him. But I mean, there's a huge risk there. I sent a, a, a text. I haven't gotten anything back yet to um, a, a friend of mine, and not Chris, uh, trying to find out if. You know, if, if I'm wrong in saying that, you know, because now granted, there, I know there's individuals that have other quarterbacks as QB1. I know that for a fact. It's too early to say any team whose teams, or let me rephrase that, how teams have quarterbacks lined up because they go through a process. And I think we're going to talk about that today. It's a long, drawn out process. And really, the football season is only the first third, the first half of it. You know, mm -hmm. that, that gives you the tape, and you go back and you got to look at, at, at the previous tape. But bottom line is, who's to say that any of the quarterbacks they could draft this year is going to be any better than Justin Fields? Mm -hmm. And be, and geared to, and what you're saying by doing it is you're saying – Okay, this guy wasn't the answer, so we're going to a rookie next year, but we're going to lose, so be patient. Because that's <laughs> right. what's going to happen. Uh -huh. you know, and and I, I don't think, you know, based on what they've done, like with the trade for for Tez and, and some of the free agent signings, I just don't see them doing that. I think they're trying to go forward, not backwards. 
Yeah. I think that's the biggest point there. I mean, you made a lot of good points there, Greg, but that's the biggest point. I think that they want to maintain the continuity. Ryan Pose said in a pregame show on his radio show before a Bears game that he feels that the team is close. I forgot what the word was. Elite, maybe? Uh, that they, they were getting close to being an elite football team. And so for them to get there, they're not going to get there by starting over at the quarterback position. <laughs> they no, can't be no, almost. You're, you're going backwards. You're, you're stepping back. You're, yep. you're punting. It's fourth and long. You're punting. And, and you're saying, you know, I hope the next guy works. Mm-hmm. And we all know, and it's been proven time after time after time, the so and, and nobody can tell me that Caleb Williams now in September did I think he might be a generational quarterback? Yes, but mm-hmm. his play proved different. His yeah. play, like I said, he fell off the damn charts as far as I'm concerned with this second half of the season play. And I'm not taking anything away of Drake May. In fact, I know people that think Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah, well, that's that's a, a good point. A couple of people in the chat have brought up his name. In fact, uh, Michael Henneman said J- Jaden Daniels was the well, best. Won the Heisman Trophy, so that but yeah. you know the Heisman Trophy and best player and and the Heisman Trophy does not equal you're going to be a great NFL player. That's never for sure. has. But just the way he has improved, I saw somebody said, "Well, he doesn't have an arm." Are they freaking crazy? He's got a cannon. Now, he doesn't have Josh Allen's arm, but he's got I, – I saw in one game the ball was like 62 yards in the air. Mm-hmm. That's a strong arm. Uh, you know, and, and he can fire it when he has to. And how the last two years he's averaged over 1,000 yards. He had like 1,100 yards rushing this year, 800-something last year. Uh, he was at Arizona State for three years. His passing completion – percentage over the last two years is is 70 percent and he doesn't mm-hmm. turn the ball over yeah you know so and he plays in an offense that is he owes himself but it's similar it's more pro style than a lot of college offenses that's probably the best way for it <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> need a drink take as much as you want there and cliff victoria right, bourbon in there but, no, um, don't do that. Do that later tonight. <laughs> uh, Cliff says fields cost $6 million next year, and Cliff is very good with his stats and figures. So uh, that's a bargain price for Justin Fields next season. Right, and people say, well, it's going to cost – I'm seeing stuff on it. It's going to cost you $50 million contract. The hell it is. He hasn't earned that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't be putting numbers out there because, first of all, I, if I'm the Bears – I do what the Giants did with Daniel Jones. I do not pick up his fifth-year option. Put the pressure on him to prove it. And if he proves it, pay him. He earned it. Yeah. Okay, so, and and if he doesn't, then here's what's going to happen. If you trade that pick, they're going to have two number ones next year again. That's Mm -hmm. a lot. And probably because the team's going to use that on a quarterback, it's probably going to be another high one, just like Carolyn. Is it going to be one? Who the hell knows? But right. it's probably going to be another high one. They will be in position that they can they can do it again next year if they want. I just don't think they want to do that right now. 
Right. Could I be totally wrong? Absolutely, I could be wrong. But I, it, it's my gut feeling based on things that the poll says and just watching, you know, looking at the, the college players and saying, am I going to gamble on that? Because and, and in essence, he's gambling his career or he's betting his career mm-hmm. on that move. Because if it fails, he fails. Jimmy Tony says, this is crazy. This was Justin's year to prove, and he still isn't good. Uh, tell me why Jimmy Tony is wrong. Uh, on because that. the offensive coaching sucks. And that's not his fault. That's not Justin's fault. Mm-hmm. We have sat here how many times, and you could listen to anybody in Chicago. Listen, everybody complains about the play calling. Play calling is atrocious. I think I said last week on here. Mm-hmm. This guy, and I, you know, I've had my doubts with Justin too, but then I started to really think about it. But since this guy came into the league, it's a third year. He hasn't been coached yet. Yeah, he really hasn't. You know, look what happened to Tua. When they and everybody wanted to run Tua out of town in Miami, they get a new coach, mm-hmm. and, and look what happens. See, the, 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 that's the thing, Greg. Is I I think the Tua the two biggest things that benefited his game was getting a offensive genius like McDaniel in there, but the second thing is Tyreek Hill, and that's why I'm not saying the Bears should draft Marvin Harrison, but. One of those top receivers, there's four or five of them that are guys that are almost guaranteed success in the National Football League. You give Justin Fields another weapon alongside DJ Moore, and uh, and then you, you make some fortification of the offensive line, then I think that we're ready to rock and roll with some adjustments with the coaching staff too. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I just don't agree that they will take a wide receiver in the top four. Yeah. I, and I can okay. see that. I can see yeah. that. Okay. And 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 I also don't believe Marvin Harrison. And you know, I, I, I'm being sacrilegious here because mm-hmm. all these people got at him anointed. Guess what? There's other people in the league that don't think so either. They think Malik Davis is wide receiver number one. Yeah. And when you watch the tape back to back, he's clearly number one. Mm-hmm. He's tougher. He plays faster. It remains to be seen who actually runs faster. His run after the catches might be as good as anybody in football. He's a better route runner. So Marvin Harrison's taller. Yeah. And he's got a Hall of Fame father. So what? And I'm not taking he's a great player. No, no question about him. I think Malik Neighbors is a better football player. Mm. Free Palestine says the best wide receiver comes from LSU. Um, yeah, and I and I think that uh Whoever this wide receiver is that they're going to acquire, and I know they're going to acquire one, whether it's round one, two, three, four, whatever, has to be a, a good blocking receiver because the identity of this team truly is is that they're first and foremost a running team. Am I right or wrong, Greg? No, I agree with you, but you're not going to get a guy coming out of college who was a good blocker in college unless it was rare. Because <laughs> yeah. of, okay. in, in fact, watching – Watching Sunday's game, uh-huh. there was a guy who might be might have been the smallest receiver on the field who threw a couple damn good blocks, mm-hmm. and that was Scott. 
that little son of a bitch, you know, threw his body at people and smacked them. And did he do that in Cincinnati last year? Hell no. Because mm-hmm. he didn't have to. Yeah. You know, so that was to me that that was impressive that he did that. So and, and that's part of the the culture. If there was some positive on the offensive side of the ball with the coaching, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. And Tyke Tolbert does a great job because it, it, it's like getting those guys to buy it. You want to play? You got to do two things. You got to block and catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, Nick, I'm going to save that uh, comment for later because I want uh, Greg to talk about it. But I want to stay on the topic of Justin Fields. After the game a Sunday, uh, Fields was asked about that lull. They scored 21 points, and all of a sudden the offense gets into a lull. They they, they don't, don't have anything going on. And so uh, he talked about it. And then I think this was the follow-up question was uh, something like, do you talk to Luke Getzey and present your ideas on how to get your get out of the lull? And this is what he said. You know, first half, everything was working. So I don't think it's necessarily the play calls. I think I just think it was us. I think, you know, we had I had a, a long run, holding call, got back, you know, it was multiple holding calls. So um, you know, I think it's not more about Luke or the play call and stuff like that. It's about us bringing the plays to life and us executing the plays we get because we have them in there for a reason. We trust our coaches. We trust each other. So it's about us just, you know, taking each play at a time and and really just executing. Uh, 21-0, you got to have that mindset that it's 0-0 uh, just started the game. So that's what I was trying to get our guys to do. And, you know, we're going to continue getting better, continue to, uh, you know, play like we did in the first quarter throughout the whole game. So, yeah. I trust the coaching staff. We as players have to do better. Your reaction to that? Well, that, that that's a true statement. And you go, you go back, that holding call on Patrick, which, by the way, was not a hold. That was one of the worst calls in the game. Uh, that took away a scoring opportunity. Worst case scenario is they get three out of that drive. Okay, and they end up having to kick the ball away. So uh, he was right. Um, he also is playing, uh, you know, politics there, make sure I say the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, they kicked themselves in, in, in a few times this year too with inopportune penalties, whether you like the penalties or not. You know, and that particular one was, I thought, a horrible call because when they did it from the end zone shot and they showed it, they where's home? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, he had his hand, hand like this. It was about, you know, you can't see me there. But, um, you know, that wasn't even close to a hole. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. what was this guy saying? I'm thinking there was a couple calls in that game. I'm thinking, Arizona in this game? Serious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, and that different topic for a different day, maybe we can talk about this during the offseason, is I really do think that the NFL has to address this issue with the NFL officials because I've probably seen more games than ever in my entire life this season, and it's just throughout the league, you know. Every and, game. Almost yeah, every-, every game there is calls that you go, what mm-hmm. the hell? There, I was watching a little of the Giants game last night. The Giants are trying to come back and tie the game up on that final drive. Mm-hmm. And they didn't call an interference call on the giant receiver along the left sideline. He didn't get interfered with. He got freaking mugged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no flag whatsoever, especially when they did the play over. 
Yeah. I mean, it was clear as day yeah. that there was interference. Yet no flag. A lot of flag. Staying on the topic of quarterback coordinator relationship, the cameras appear to catch Justin Fields screaming at the sideline, screaming at Luke Getze because the reaction shot the cameras had was of Luke Getze. So it appeared like he was telling him, hurry up, get the play in or something. Don't know what it was. Did you see that moment? And if so, do you have a reaction to it? Uh, no, I didn't say it. I have to redo the game, the whole game and not the, yeah. Thing, which I, you know, I did record. Um, just uh, when did when about when did that happen? That could speed up the process. Like yeah, first quarter, second quarter, third no, quarter. No, no, I'm I'm pretty sure it was in the third quarter, middle of the third quarter. I'll try to find some more yeah. information on that. Why don't we talk about something else and then we'll come back to that if I can find the video or more information. Um, so the offense as a whole comes out and scores 21 points, and and there was a lack of execution by the players. Justin is totally right about that. But there still seems to be, as you mentioned earlier in the show, there still still seems to be something missing from this offensive play fire. call. Fire! To me, fire, intensity. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, start off the second. And, and actually, Justin said it. We got to play like it's 0-0 zero, zero to start of the game, and you come out come out excited and you're, you're playing aggressively. You know, when you, when you got a team with a losing record, like the bears have, you can't take anything for granted, even a 21 to nothing lead. Right. You got to play hard. The other thing about that is, you know, the players have talked about complacency. Justin mentioned it on Sunday's uh, press conference with that, I think very cool looking sweater. Some people don't. I, I like it too. That was really sharp. <laughs> yeah, us old guys like it. All right, you young bloods. <laughs> so anyway, um, I got a, I got a sweater for Christmas. I might wear it next week. Oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> uh, so he he did use Justin used the word complacency. Maybe we got too complacent and so forth. Players used it last week and so forth. I, you know, and I think we've talked about this before, and you told me I was wrong, but I, I do feel like that's on the position coaches. They got to keep their players focused. They got to keep them fired up. And if you don't have somebody on the team that goes around and yells at players like a Patrick Mahomes does to his offensive line and blah, 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 then the coaches have to step up and do that. Don't you think? Well, it, it's a combination of the two. I mean, okay. your leaders on your team got to help fire, but it, it is the coach's job. Mm -hmm. To but but the coach's job is to is to make instantaneous what's the word I want uh, corrections Instant, yeah. you know uh, uh, when there's a mistake hey you know because now you know they they can't show video on the sideline but they got the the the, the still pictures that they get right away and and they can go through those things so it's almost like video and they got to point out hey look at if you did this instead of this, you know, or, or whatever, but you got, you got to make those corrections so that they don't make the same mistake again. Yeah. And, you know, McFack says a lack of creativity is what's missing from Getsy's play calling. I agree with that to a degree, you know, but I do think that the creativity has gone off the charts with a lot of the play callers. They're trying to surprise people. Did you see that call Matt Nagy of, uh, had for the – I'm assuming it was Matt Nagy because it really seemed like a Matt Nagy play call. Well, I, let, 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 good thing because I, 
I watched a little of that game, but was I paying attention to who was calling the plays? Andy Reid calls the plays. Now, he'll let Nagy, you know, maybe two or three times during the year call the plays, but usually they're meaningless games after they've locked things up yeah. or, or whatever. And that was an important game. I'm, I'd have to go back and watch so you can actually see when they're on the sideline who's calling in the plays. But sure. That for 90% of the time during the year, Andy Reid's the guy calling plays. And I've seen Nagy, you know, on social media take a beating the last couple of days. It might be for naught because the beating should be to Andy Reid. Yeah. All right, I wanted to uh, also uh, – well, uh, one one other thing I want to share with you. Here are Justin's stats from this season, from the uh, – what is it, 11 games, 10 games he's played this season. He's got a com- completion percentage of 60.9, 61%. for 20, Yeah, 2,146 yards. But I think what uh, a mistake that everyone – everyone makes is they don't account for the rushing yards, the 585. So you need to almost kind of total those up when you're comparing quarterbacks. He's got about 2,700 yards of offense in the games that he started. And I'm going to double check the games he started is 11. Uh, so Right, he missed four. He right. really missed five because he got hurt early, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, fairly early. Uh, in that one, in that first game against Minnesota, I think he got hurt beginning of the second half. Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, I was, I was watching the presser of the Arizona coach here in the week, and the media, the Arizona media, was asking him about Fields, looking for him to see if he's going to badmouth Fields or whatever, because because you know the, the narrative is Justin Fields isn't any good, and. Gannon completely turned that around on him and say, hey, I was with Billy last year. Mm-hmm. He almost single-handedly beat us with his feet. Don't tell me he can't play. Yeah. I you know, and, and that's he is because of who he is, he is a bitch to defense. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, does he have a perfect game? No, far from it. But he's got a unique skill set that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. They got to do things they don't ordinarily do because mm-hmm. he's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jamal says you can't total up the rushing yards with his passing yards, although, and, and you're right. But you 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 can say total yards he's responsible for. He generated that offense. If you're going to say that you know uh, that. Prescott had 4,000 yards of passing offense and only 100 yards rushing, or and that's a bad example because I know he's got more. I don't know the numbers exactly. But you do have to account for the rushing yards on these athletic quarterbacks as part of their offensive output. Total With, offense. It, it's, it, to- it's total offense, and it, and it is part of it because there's pass plays that break down that he tra- – I mean, he's had plays that scramble that he's taken 50 yards to the house. Mm-hmm. You know, that might have been a 10-yard completion had he thrown the ball. So, yeah, no, he is – he has the ability to turn a game around. But I think you need more consistency within the offense. Like I said, I I broken records. The offensive play calling sucks. It does not play into his strengths. It does not utilize a lot of the weapons on the field that they have. Mm -hmm. And – 
you know, like, what the hell? I, I'm going brain dead here. My age is coming in. The, the, they're back up tight end. Um, uh, Mercedes Lewis or Robert no, Tanya? No, not Mercedes. Tanya. Tanya, two years in a row, had 50-plus catches. Mm -hmm. he, he might not have 25 targets. <laughs> exactly. All year, you know, and, and it, it's a similar offense. And you can't tell me that his play dropped off like that. That doesn't happen. Exactly. And 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 people want to bitch about Mooney. I'm done with Mooney. Yeah, he's had a couple drops. But Mooney caught everything his first two years. He mm -hmm. got open all the time. These people come in. He's not a part of the offense. Is that Mooney's fault? No, I, I, I mean, that's the $64,000 question, if I can use the old game show uh, reference. Is Darnell Mooney lacking in production because Justin Fields gets tunnel vision and doesn't see the secondary and third options as quickly as some of the other quarterbacks in the league? That's my biggest, one of my biggest concerns with Justin. And, and it's a legitimate thing, but there was plays. In fact, they showed it. There was a completion. I don't remember what part of the game. But he went through a full progression. Mm -hmm. You could see him. He went to the left, to the right, back to the left, threw the ball. And so, you know, that was one example. Now, does he do it all the time? No. Is there people he missed? Like the interception to Herbert, DJ was open out of post. But Herbert was open, too. He underthrew the ball. What we don't know is who was number one, who was number two. Mm -hmm. Herbert very well could have been number one, and he was open. He threw the ball. He underthrew it. But DJ was open. Actually, DJ was probably more open. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the post pattern in the, in the middle of the end zone. Yeah. Um, I'm collecting questions. i got six in the queue. I'm going to uh, start with this one because it's on topic. Augie's Day says, enlighten me, Greg, what is playing to his strengths? What are the strengths of Justin Fields? Use his athleticism to his advantage. In other words, use more rollouts, boots, those type of things, um, more play action type things. There's just a lot of stuff. You and I can sit here and you can almost tell by the formation what the hell they're going to do. And that's what can be frustrating. Like they got down to what first and goal from the six yard line. What's, what's he do? He goes back to the well and he calls a boot or not a boot, rather a, a bubble. And right away, Hit with a two yard loss. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like, come on, man. Swifty adds uh, that uh, feels the strengths are play action, deep shots, rollouts, bootlegs, moving pockets, etc. Et you, you have a visitor here, but my, my stepdaughter is um, opening the door. So, but let me just shut the door. One second. Oh, you bet. So, I'll, I'll add to that, uh, you know, Justin's strengths are also, you know, throwing the deep ball, whether it's off a of play action or not. 
You know, I'd love to see him do that more often. And you cannot discount that the connection between quarterback Justin Fields and DJ Moore is outstanding. DJ Moore, uh, uh, Greg, I was just telling the audience that DJ Moore and, and uh, Justin Fields have one of the best quarterback-receiver combinations statistically in the entire league. And you can add yeah. – Cole Komet and Justin Fields. And so now what we have to do to progress the quarterback is to get some supplementary guys that can pitch in and expand the offense from a, a, a passing uh, from, from a passing yeah, perspective. And, and, and I'm going to add this to it. And could I be wrong? Yes. But I think that's Getsy's job, the OC's job. Mm -hmm. hey, here, this is the guy. This is the guy. You know what I mean? It's going through this is and, and you keep drilling it into his head and that helps him evolve. Mm -hmm. You right. can't say, you know, what we don't know, because we're not in the meeting rooms, you know, may, they could be telling him, go to commit, go to DJ, go to commit, go to DJ. You don't know the answer to that because we're not there. Yeah. Bellissimo says that Justin is a multiplier, but you can't make the best use of it by removing threats from the defense entirely. They're relying solely on gun and option looks dumb, run a balanced offense that threatens people. I think that's a great point by Bellissimo. No, Maybe he should it, apply it, for that it, OC it, job. It is, a it, it is a good point, but what they don't do enough of is stuff to – they do too much of the same thing, yeah. game after game after game. And there is no creativity within the offense. The defense seems to know exactly. They're very predictable. They, you know, when teams go into the game, they got, you know, the, um, I call them GAs, you know, the quality control guys and stuff, and the pro guys, they're breaking down opponents' tape. So they're looking, okay, these are the tendencies. You know, you get into a third and five to a third and seven. This is, they're going to call this, this, or this. You know, and you can almost tell by the formation what they're going to do. And, and it's like the tendencies of the Bears haven't changed all year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It is, it is sad. Um, let me ask you about this offensive line because I've, started to grow a little bit of a concern over the offensive line uh, because of their play the last two games. You know, Tevin Jenkins is such an injury risk. It's really difficult to say, all right, let's sign this guy to a contract extension because he is rarely, it may be never going to give you a 17 game season. <laughs> Braxton Jones, the last two games has not played as well as he should at this point in his young career. I'm not saying well, give up on yeah, does he does he doesn't look himself? You're right. Yeah. So, what is your level of concern I, I, with the I, offensive I, I, line? But and actually, the overall run blocking this past week was excellent. Yeah. You know, you go back to you know, look, I I follow Olin during the game and look at his contents, and he was, uh, you know, very complimentary of the of the run blocking. Yeah, the pass blocking is a work in progress. I don't think that Braxton is 100%. And then he got dinged up, but he showed his toughness. He stayed in the game. Mm -hmm. 
you know, he got up real slow, looked like it might've been a knee or something. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have Tevin out, you got white hair in there. You got to give white hair some help at times. And that takes away from the overall uh, ability of the line. And, And Tevin, I think he got hurt in the first half last week. You know, so you had white hair in there a good part of the game. Uh, I, don't, I don't call a concussion an injury. You got hit in the wrong place and your bell got rung. And, and the league, you know, really goes hard on that in, in that, you know, you got to be perfect to come back in or to, to clear concussion protocol. Like, you know, the the wide receiver for the Colts, he cleared concussion protocol on Friday and then they're flying to wherever their game was and the symptoms, probably the flight itself probably hurt and symptoms came up and they, they had to put them back in protocol, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, that, that, you know, back and knee and ankle, I, I put those in, Injury prone, but not concussion. That's just an unlucky hit. He got walloped in the head, and and you know, in, in this game, that's going to happen. I mean, you can't. It's when a guy gets too many concussions, mm-hmm. like I have, and then you become a bubbling idiot. Like me. <laughs> I've had, you know, I've had at least six. Whoa. Um, <laughs> you like that? Oh, that's um, a lot. <laughs> no, I had six in a short time. Wow. I had six in about a three-year period. Wow, you and and got... it was in high school. Oof. You're you're uh, very fortunate to achieve all the success that you've had in your life after I had multiple one, I had five in high school. I had one when I was playing minor league football. Mm. And by that point, I knew what a concussion was and that, you know, what the reaction was. And I mean, I, I got hit, it was a helmet to helmet thing. And I literally did see stars and I, you know, but then it's still, this was in the late seventies. And I said, I'm not playing next week. I know I had a concussion and then, you know, they jump on me. And it's like, you know, different world Mm -hmm. then versus now. Yeah. Wow, that's not not a fun thing to, to experience. I am sure of that. No, I, I'll be I'll be honest. With you. I asked my doctor about this about when all this stuff started, like ten years ago or so. Right. And I said, should I be worried? Because I know I've had six documented concussions. Mm-hmm. Could I have had more? Maybe, but I know I had six. He said, you're all right now, aren't you? And I said, I don't know. You think I'm normal? Um, so he, he, said, he said, don't worry about it. But yeah, I think I think he's giving you some good advice. Uh, you're, uh, for a man your age, you're extremely clear-minded and focused, and you write really well. Uh, so uh, let's not worry about that. Let's worry about this Bears offensive line. I think that's the that's the issue. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about uh, scouting for a quarterback. If the Bears, I'm sure the Bears yeah, have talk a little bit. We're gonna, this is a dissertation. 
All right, so t- take it away. The topic is evaluating quarterbacks at the college level. Yeah, it's number one. It's it's a very imperfect science, mm-hmm. and just using that exercise that we did at the beginning of the show is proof right there because everybody makes mistakes. Some of the best evaluators in the world make mistakes at that position. And you got to have somebody who really knows and understands the quarterback position. And with me, you know, I can watch all the tape I want of a player. And that tells me physically what he can do. And that's what you're getting during the course of, of his final season in college football or his final two years in college football. But it's not until after the season's over that you can really get into the nitty gritty of the evaluation. And, and part of that is finding out what's going on up here. Mm-hmm. And there's there's different tests that they do. They do it at the all-star games. They do it at the combine. Uh, and, and, and they're not to be all end all. It's just another tool. Okay. But what's real important is finding out not just how smart he is, but how he thinks. What's his personality right? Is he a leader? That's imperative. If he isn't a leader, you don't got the guy. We can go back to that, that uh, you know, Kyle Bowler, the year we took Rex Grossman. And I think I told that story. And, and yep. you know, Kyle Bowler was a bust. And everybody was in love with him because on one knee, he could throw the ball, tight spiral 75 yards in the air. Wow. Big freaking deal. You know, <laughs> and, but he had no confidence. None whatsoever. We had him in our room at, at the uh, combine for an interview, and it was our last interview of the night, so we could extend it a little bit longer than the normal 15 or 20 minutes now. It was 15 minutes then. And so we're talking about when he was at Cal, and it's before Jeff Tedford came there as the coach because he had success under Tedford in his final year. Uh, but before that, they always lost. And so we asked him, how, how did you react to that? And he said, I always walked around campus with a hoodie, and I had the hood up. Why? Because I didn't want anybody to recognize me and see who I am. Right then and there, we made up our mind, we don't want him. He's not brash, bold, or confident enough to be a quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah. you got to have some balls, some big balls. You've got to have some confidence. You've got to be you got to be able to lead men. You've got to have a special personality. And the guys who are real successful, yeah, cockiness to a degree, but not cockiness to an asshole. You know what I mean? You know, so it, it's so that part's important. Obviously, the X's and O's. It, it's um, well. Let me back up to the twenty and twenty-one season because of COVID. There are mistakes made, and and 
two of the big mistakes were were Wilson and Lynch in the 21 draft. And if you recall, there's no private workouts those two years. There's pro days in 21. But pro days for a quarterback are totally useless. So why are they useless? They're useless because the NFL coaches aren't really a part of the the workout process. They're there to watch. The workout is a scripted workout made by the guy's quarterback guru. And it's a practice, totally rehearsed workout for weeks in advance. He knows everything he's going to do. They're geared to show all the strengths of the player and not show any weaknesses. And what you can't do is say, well, I want to see him do this. I want to see him do that. You can't do that. It's not the way those work out. So what do you got to do? You got to do a private workout. And private workouts aren't going to last. You know, the throwing session at a pro quarterback's pro day might be 20 to 30 minutes because he might throw 60 footballs, you know, and, and do some other drills. But you're not – all you're doing is seeing the physical – that shows the strengths. You're not seeing, you're not getting inside his head. So when you do a, a private workout, before you even go on the field, you're in the classroom. You might might start the night before, take them out to dinner, get a feel for them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a few that you, you might have a, you might even bring a couple players because you could bring your own receivers to those if you want. There's no law against that. And you can you know, get a feel for his personality, get how he reacts to people within your organization. Then, you know, like the next day, you get him in a meeting room and you start throwing your offense at him. And, and you say, this is what we do. And, and draw four or five plays up on the board and explain to him what goes on in those four or five plays. Then he changed the subject to go back, you know, go to something else. And he come back. Okay, Joe, tell me what I told you 15 minutes ago. Draw play one, play two, play three, and explain to me what they're supposed to do and why they're supposed to do it. And and then you find out the retention and how quick, you know, how good was he in taking notes? Because he should be sitting there taking notes. And, you know, how quickly can he absorb that and can he remember it? You also had him go through some of his own plays. You know, can he dissect his own plays? There's a quarterback, I'm not going to mention his name, was a first-round pick. Wait a total bust. I was told by a person I trust that when they got him on the board, he was totally clueless. He couldn't explain one thing. And so it was like, that, how did he take this? Well, they obviously didn't spend the time to do a private workout with him because they would have found that out. They were looking at strictly the physical, which you can get on tape. But so you get through that, and then you're probably going to bring him in on a 30 visit too, and that's going to be more board work. I mean, it's just a ton of stuff that you do, and you can't do any of it until – after the combine. So this is all March and April that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And obviously you got to get them through the combine. 
And mm-hmm. I, and who cares about the quarterback workout at the combine? That's as useless as a pro day, you know. But the it's the the short interviews. How he reacts to going from team A to team B to team C to team D, and and does he get agitated or whatever, or is he real lively in each thing? Because teams, some teams will share notes on that, and. It's it's just a pyramid of, of different little things that you use, and you do this with a lot of players, but with quarterbacks more than than anybody else. So, for people now to say Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback, well, we could say that going into the first part of October until he fell fell off the cliff. We still only got through 40 or 45% of the test. You know, how good is he going to be on the board? How good is he going to be in interviews? What's he really know? What's his real football knowledge? And until you go through all that, everything we see on tape is meaningless because that can change a lot of people's minds. And I, 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 Say right now that if, if teams, like if you talk to the Jets or you talk to the 49ers, if they could have had private time with Trey Lance or with um, Wilson, would they have taken him? That might have changed their mind a whole lot. All right. Great dissertation. You probably have some more to share with us. Uh, or can we go to questions now? We have questions. Okay, because somebody wants to ask me a question about that. Well, uh, D. Starin asked, "Doesn't the Wonderlick or whatever the test that they, it is that they use now tell you a lot of that stuff that you just talked about?" Wonderlick is—I was going to use the phrase, but I shouldn't use it. Wonderlick, <laughs> a Wonderlick test is useless, and it's been outdated for twenty years. Okay, wonder—I don't know if they still are, but they the. Wonderlick, the corporation that does that, used to be here in Chicago. Whether it still is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think they were in Libertyville at the time. And we had them come in when our scouts were in in February. We had the guy from one of the people from Wonderlick, the bigwigs, come in and explain the test and, and what the test was all about and what you're supposed to get out of the test. But I found out one big thing, the most important thing. That test is geared to be taken once and one time only. Mm. Okay. Okay. Under optimum conditions, quiet room. You got 12 minutes. Nobody interrupts the person taking the test, et cetera. Well, in today's world at these different sites, you know, that the kids go to to prep for the, for the combine and they're Mm -hmm. there for four to six weeks. They're taking Wonderlick tests every freaking day. Sometimes two a day because it's only a 12-minute test. So they're taking the test over and over again. Now, are they taking the same test because there's about you know, 10, 12 different forms, but they're all very similar. They start out with very easy questions and they get there's 50 questions and they get progressively harder with the, each question. But according to the people from Wonderlick, the more times you take the test, 
you, you get to understand how the test is given. And so you're just automatically going to get a better score. Hmm. Okay, well, that's good. <clears throat> so we know these guys practice taking the test. How do we know if, if, if what he scored is a, a true indicator of his intelligence? And basically, it's a raw intelligence test. Yeah. He said, go back and look at the very first time you took the test. Let's say the guy got a very average score and got an 18. Okay. And he goes, if that, if in a subsequent test, if he scores more than four points higher, throw it out, means nothing. He's taken the test too many times and just throw it. So we started doing that. We took the, we used the original test number. There was a player, a wide receiver, whose agent was, uh, who is now among the faithful departed, was one of the first that figured out, well, I'm going to keep giving my guy the test every day as he's getting ready. He had a 27, which is a damn good score, the first time he took the test. He got a 48 at the combine. Come on, fucking Einstein gets a 48. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so he did it because he had taken so many of the tests know all the answers. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so you can't count it. So, and, and you see that. So it, it got to a point where we were looking at, you know, the different test scores. And you'd see guys' test scores jump 10, 12, 14 points. We just throw it out. It was worthless. You know, and, and, and the league finally caught on. I mean, they still do it because there's people that – want to have that information but there's <clears throat> other tests that are really more valid and and test intelligence uh, better and everybody subscribes to one of the services that that do that testing and then they came out it's there's not enough data on it there was a getting a lot of pub last year it's called what the s2 or the c2 or something like that but it was yes. fairly new yeah, and, it, is, and, it is called the C, uh, excuse me, S2 cognition test. Okay. Stroud did not score very good at it. He, he was the worst. He was the worst. <laughs> yeah, and he's also the best quarterback in the rookie class. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, CBS Sports. But I, I, I remember. I just want to say CBS Sports reported that Stroud took the test multiple times and scored the lowest of all the 2023 quarterback prospects with 18% out of a hundred. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So then he has the question, did he take it seriously? Mm -hmm. You know, what you got to know. So it's a tool. How important is it? It's, it hasn't been around long enough to say that it's, it's meaningful. There's only a couple of years of data on it, you know, you using the test. And so that's the one thing about the Wonderlick. I mean, there's data, they were using the Wonderlick long before I got in this business and I got in 1981. You know, so I mean, they've been doing it forever. So, you know, they probably did it when Jesus Christ was alive. They just didn't call it the, the Wonderlick <laughs> test. But, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I probably went a little overboard on that, but yeah, 
<laughs> no, no, there. you're fine. Throw out the wonder. Throw out the wonder. Like there's other stuff that all the teams use that are a lot more useful. And then there's psychological tests they take too. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, I mean, they take, they spend one day at the combine doing nothing but taking tests. You know, there's personality profile. When I was with the Giants, we did a personality profile thing. And we had done it for so many years that you could find, you know, we had the data to find, okay, for an offensive lineman, his personality, the optimum offensive lineman should be in this range here. The optimum defensive lineman should be in this range here. And usually that range is he should be a thought. But, um, you know, because it's a, you know, the position that he plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Let's get to some of these questions because we got some good ones here, uh, Greg. Uh, MMA Tip123 asks, uh, how do you feel about Justin Fields' mechanics? He seems to still have poor throwing mechanics and a bad hitch uh, uh, and poor anticipation in year three. Your thoughts on those mechanic issues? Go back and look at his first year. He had a bad hitch. Mm-hmm. You know, where you would drop the ball like this. Where's my my? Where's your football? Your over here. I gotta get it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I know that Luke Getzey right. has said a couple XFL times. Game ball here. Oh, look at that! That's a beauty. But. Uh... I know that uh, Luke Getzia said a couple times when evaluating fields that he's taken an extra hitch uh, when he doesn't need to. <laughs> well, but- okay. So coming out of co- when he was in college and he was a rookie, mm-hmm. he'd go back and he'd go like this with every throw. Okay. That takes time. Okay. He has fixed that considerably where he's more like this. You know, you prefer this. You know, but it, it it's really that it, it, it's not a lot of time, but it's enough time for a, a quality defensive back to anticipate where that ball's going and get a jump on the on the ball. So right. yeah, it's a deal. But I think that it is hugely improved since his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Hard to hit because we, we've talked about it here. You know, just showing there's been video of them, and we're saying, look at look at how he's tightened his delivery a little bit. Absolutely. In the very first play of the game, he threw a uh, seven yard out to Cole Komet, and Mark Sanchez, the analyst with CBS Sports, said it's just a little off timing. And uh, I I pointed it out on X that I do agree with Sanchez is that these timing passes sometimes are a microsecond, a nanosecond, or even a full second late with, with the timing. And I got a lot of pushback back saying Kokomet, you know, rounded out the, 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 the route. You were and, breaking up there. I didn't hear everything you said there. Yeah. But so my question is, do you think his timing can considerably improve? Yes. I think that, and that's part of the, experience thing uh should it be better at this point yes look there's not a player i i I really think that people get overly critical or over overly picky Mm -hmm. about little things 
he's never going to be the perfect player. What you want him to be, because he's got a special skill set that very few have, is you want him to be a winning quarterback in the league. And it took Lamar Jackson a while. Yeah. Took Lamar Jackson into his like his fourth year, really. Um, I mean, he couldn't hit water from a boat as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And 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 the same thing when when he was at at Louisville. But you work at it, your repetition. But part of it is he had, you know, for the first part of his career, he had the same coordinator, played the same offense, and so that helped him. You know, I'm willing to bet right now that. If he's next here next year, and I believe he will be, that it'll be his third offense in four years with the Chicago Bears. Unless they could hire somebody who runs the same basic offense, mm-hmm. you know, terminology and everything else. And then the changeover wouldn't be would be really nothing. It's really how the plays are called. And that probably would be the best thing, but is a person who runs a very similar type offense, is is he going to be the guy that ends up being the OC? And I think regardless of who the head coach is, the OC is going to be different next year. But hopefully not run a totally different type of offense to put more stress on Justin. The the scheme itself is very good. Mm -hmm. It's a scheme that LA runs. It's a scheme that Houston runs now. It's a scheme San Francisco runs. Green Bay ran with with, uh, uh, Rodgers. They're running now with Love. The scheme works. It's how you use that scheme. Mm -hmm. How you, you know... The makeup of the plays might not be the same from team to team. You know, that, that falls on the, the coordinator and how you call the plays, right. what you think is going to work and not going to work against a particular defense. That, 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 and so that's what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Christian Mercado, uh, that's we've been saying that for quite some time. A proven offensive coordinator would have been the best hire. And I, and I think, you know, Luke Getz is going to have uh, success in this league. I don't think he's terrible at what he does. He's just failed to apply an offense for the strengths of his team. He's not a uh, play caller, is yeah, what he is. That's probably you, you a gotta, good way you got to have it. a feel. And the, the, word, the way I can argue with one point you made is like, now, McDaniel at Miami, everybody said, you know, he's a boy wonder genius, right? Mm-hmm. He never called plays till he went to Miami. Yeah. Shanahan right. called the plays. Right. Okay. So it, it, he had the title OC, but he wasn't the play caller. So I, I think it's, a little bit of a fallacy that it's got to be quote an experienced coordinator or an experienced play caller. No, it's what's upstairs. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Greg, when you interview for somebody who's going to potentially be the play caller for your football team, do you put him through tests? Like what I've interviewed out thousand people in my 
corporate career, and I put them in situations. So if this happens and this happens, what do you do? Do you do that with an offensive coordinator? Okay, it's third down and five in this situation from game six of the Chicago Bears versus the Commanders. What would you call here? Do you do that? Well, it's pretty hard to do that exact drill because you'd have to have an you know, like a, an exact defense mm-hmm. and drop what their tendencies are in a, in a play situation. And then what your tendency, you know, what, what your call sheet looks like. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Sure does. And so that, that makes it very difficult to do, but, and, I, and I'll go back to when, when uh, Flus hired Getsy. Getsy already had predetermined, and I found this out, you know, from Pep when because Pep interviewed for the DLC job, is that when he got this job, he already had set in his mind he wanted to run this Shanahan, LaFleur, McVeigh offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he felt that was a very difficult scheme to handle. So he got what he thought was the best guy to do that. He didn't get the right guy. He might have the right scheme. He didn't get the right guy. Okay. And so, like in Pep's case, no matter what Pep was going to say, he knew basically by what Lewis was telling him, he wasn't going to get the job because he didn't run the right type of scheme that he wanted. So, if he still wants that scheme, it's I got a name, if that's the the case, that everybody I've talked to, and there's still more people I want to talk to, um, would be pretty quality guy. Mm -hmm. And his name is Liam Cohen. Liam Cohen. Yeah. So who the hell is Liam Cohen? I was just going to ask that. Okay. He right (laughs) now is the OC at Kentucky. Now, he's bounced around over the last couple of years between mm-hmm. Kentucky and the Rams. Before he went to Kentucky, he was the Ram, He was on the Rams versus the quality control and the assistant quarterback coach and stuff. Then he gets the OC job at Kentucky for the 21 season. And Will Levis has this crazy good season in 21. Where he, you know, he had transferred in from Penn State, I think it was, to Kentucky. Kentucky had one of their best all-time seasons. Levis had that their offense was very explosive, and they had some good players besides Levis. And Levis looked like a potential first-round pick. Well, following that season, he did so good. McVeigh brought him back to the Rams for the mm-hmm. 22 season, and he was elevated to OC. But as OC. He didn't call the plays because McVeigh calls the plays. Like you're at San Francisco, Shanahan calls the plays. Right. Had a lot to do with what was going to be done on Sunday, but did not make the actual play calls. So at the end of the season, he goes, I want to call the plays. I want to be in total charge of what goes on in on the field. So he went back to Kentucky. And where he was, you know, this year and had enough, they, they went to a ball game. He didn't have anywhere near the, the players that he had in 21 with Will Levis and some of those receivers. But he was one I'm trying to make, and he grew up in the league. His dad was a lifelong, and I know his dad, his dad was a lifelong 
front office exec. And, uh, you know, with several, Scott Cohen, with several different teams. So um, that would be a name that I'd interview. Do I give him the job? I don't know, because, you know, you got to sure. see what the interview is. Sure. Uh, and, and does he want to leave Kentucky? You don't know that. Uh, but an OC job in the NFL is going to pay a lot more than an OC job at the University of Kentucky. I think so. <laughs> All right, let's get to some more questions here. Drew Black asked a question. You were talking about gambles, you know, taking a gamble on a drafting a quarterback. And Drew asked, isn't it a gamble to bet on fields one more year with potentially a new OC? Uh, your thoughts? That's why Ryan Poles gets the big bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and I make a bucket and quarter now. You know, so. <laughs> if that. <laughs> it's <clears throat> these guys live, eat, drink football mm-hmm. 24-7. They know what he can do, what he can't do. They know what he should be doing. They know what he's capable of doing. And they also know that if one of the reasons he hasn't excelled the way you want him to excel, if that reason is more coaching than anything else. Mm -hmm. So while I am, it's my guess. Nobody's told me anything, and I'm not about to send a text to Ryan Pohl because I know he'd say, you know, I ain't telling you shit. Why should I? You know, so um, it's, I just think that when you put it all together, he's going to say, that's what gives us the best chance. Yeah. Could I be wrong? Absolutely, I could be wrong. I mean, Bigsy swears (laughs) it's the other way. Yeah. I know nobody's told Bigsy anything. He just, that's his gut feeling. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's funny that a lot of people in the media uh, feel th- that way, like Brad feels. And then there are a lot of people who have been associated with the game who feel feel like uh, Justin is going to be here for year four. So interesting. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Now you pull the players in the mm-hmm. locker room, oh. there's no doubt. Yep, indeed. And that counts. And that is a big part of the equation. Yeah. Josh wants to know what your thoughts are on Greg Roman. Would he be a fit here for a head coach position or maybe even offensive coordinator? Because I don't think he's employed right now. He's not. Doesn't that tell you something? <laughs> yeah, it tells me he's an asshole. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's had some success, but he's also had failure. Yeah. Okay. And um, he's had success with a Justin Fields-type quarterback and Lamar Jackson. I don't know Greg Roman. So, but I know that what the numbers say different, but reality isn't, is that when he was in Buffalo, it didn't go very well. The numbers said it went well, but no, they let him go. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, the... You know, Baltimore, Harbaugh said, you know, enough is enough. I got to make a change. And it turned out the change was for the better. 
So it's a name. Is it a good name? Well, you're going to be running something totally different. Mm-hmm. Whether he's going to be doing something similar, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he runs. So right. uh, would it be a name you want to talk to? Probably. Yeah. Um, but is it going to be the name? I mean, Peck would be a name you want to talk to again. But mm-hmm. is, you know, who's he actually going to pick? You better pick a guy that has a a way of developing quarterbacks. And that's why I, you know, I lean towards Pep. I mean, Justin Herbert had a great rookie season. Who was his coach? Pep Hamilton. That's right. Yep. Andrew Luck was the first pick in the draft. Who was his coach at Stanford? Pep Hamilton. Andrew Luck was the rookie of the year in the National Football League and had a great early career. Who was his coach? Pep Hamilton. He's got the skins on the wall. Let's give Pep a call. <laughs> All right, some more questions here. Uh, Dobzy, uh, do we have enough proof that, A, Justin Fields needs more weapons, B, offensive corner doesn't know how to string together a full game? I think, yeah, I think we've talked about that and come to an equal con- con- conclusion, a uh, similar conclusion. Uh, let's see. Nick, who had to bounce out of here because he was getting rude, the guy who developed fields is single-handedly ruining Mahomes, but coaching doesn't mean shit to this brain-dead fan base. That's one of the reasons I threw him, threw him out of here. I don't like his tone. Um, Dented Fender wanted to know, you talked about quarterback pressure last time. Can you explain how a QB pressure is counted? That's a great question because – Well, how the- I count QB pressure versus Please. pro football focus count. Because I know <laughs> how they count pressure. Yeah. <laughs> You know, pressure is you're having, an, in my opinion, and how I was taught, is you have an effect on the play. Mm. You know, you're, you're changing the quarterback's trajectory. You're making him move in the pocket. Yep. You, bet, you know, you, you cleanly, not just barely beat, you cleanly beat the offensive lineman and you're forcing the quarterback to do something he doesn't want to do, get rid of the ball early, throw a bad throw, whatever. To me, that's a pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think pro football focus thinks if you just turn the lineman a little bit, that's a pressure because how they come up with all these numbers is just baffling to me. It is. It is. And it works the same way with the offensive line. He yeah. gave up X amount of pressure. And you look at the tape and go, when you don't see it indeed uh steven wants to know uh, how does tyson bajan compare to this draft class that's a great question i'll rephrase it this way greg knowing what you know now about tyson bajan you've seen him in four start four pro games if it you know true hypothetical here if he was coming out in this draft is he a first rounder, second rounder, or a day three pick? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's a hypothetical that's almost impossible to answer because you'd have to say, but he went to Penn State and he didn't go to Shepherd. Right. right. Nor would I know now and he went to Penn State or Notre Dame or Michigan mm-hmm. um, versus Shepherd. 
What killed Tyson Bajan was Shepard, not Tyson Bajan. Yeah. yeah. Division two, Pennsylvania League. There haven't been any of those guys get drafted in the league. I'm not drafting either. Mm-hmm. So it, that so unless you change part of the equation to another school, and then you don't know how he would have played at another school. All I know is he does everything the right way. He works mm-hmm. hard. He's a quick thinker. He processes. He gets rid of the ball. He throws his accuracy. He's got a strong arm. You know, so, you know, he's got all the right tools. So all he needs is to play. Yeah. So you're you're going into 2024 confident that he is more than adequate as a backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean he already passed the test. Yeah, I would agree. He won two games. All right. Um, OKC Bear Boy, how many times does Fields have the chance to audible or receivers breaking off routes for blitz? Well, according to what Eberflus has said, Fields has opportunities to audible, but we don't know how. How much? Yeah, yeah. There was somebody said to me on on X that you know when I made the comment, sarcastic comment. Yeah, another bubble, two yard loss, and <laughs> the guy said, "I think Justin audible to that." So I went replayed right like right then, right went and replayed the play over. I said uh-huh. that no, he didn't because there was pre snap motion. Before he was saying anything at, at at the line, and so it was a set play. Okay. Could he have changed? He could he have changed a a route? Could he have changed uh, the protection or something? Yes, mm-hmm. but he didn't change the play. The pre snap motion and then the lineup, and then the, the way they lined up on the right side. Mm-hmm. I almost told you they were going to do a bubble. Uh, we got another question here about a potential coach. John Falsetta wants to know if you know anything about Rams quarterback coach Zach Robinson. Well, that's uh, that's one phone call away. <laughs> I can find, find out a whole lot. Uh, but this this is what he looks like. If that helps, <laughs> yeah, I. I I don't know anything about him. I know a guy who works for them really well. Uh, we'll talk about how it many next times week. Can you go to the? Yeah. Well, how many times? If I can get a hold of him, how many times can you go to the well and get a good drink of water? You know, <laughs> they keep steal, stealing McVay's coaches, and how many times is he always going to make the the right hire? So is is the guy because he works for McVay a good coach? Liam Cohen has has already proven himself as a play caller in college, but he's you know coached in the league for a number of years, brought up in the league, etc. So I think I, I I don't know him, but I I know what I'm getting based on the history. I don't know anything about this guy, and, and I'm just being cautious. I you know without I can make a phone call and find out from somebody that knows him real well, and, and he'd tell me. Phyllis wants to know, is the scheme too difficult for Justin Fields? It is no, a very complicated I, I, scheme. I, I, I don't think the scheme's too difficult. I, I just think that play calling is 
terrible. Not, help, not helping. Uh, let's see if uh, Cliff wants to know. All right, so we're, let's say we're not picking a wide receiver in the top five picks. What position, if you're looking at it just from a position standpoint, what position would you like to see the Bears draft? I know what I'm taking. I'm taking an edge. But is that is that going to be the right player at that time? Right. You know, because you got to I mean, put it this way. If Leighton from UCLA gets by the medical, he's a legitimate top five pick. Mm -hmm. But he's got to get by the medical. Right. Yeah, that's the key now, one. I find out if he gets by the medical. I, I, I think I can – might be able to find that one out, mm -hmm. but um, based on some connections. But the uh, I don't know if they'd even want me to say it publicly if I did find out. So, mm -hmm. um, but I mean that's going to be the key right there. Now, after that, who's the next? I mean, some people might say Jared Verse. Jared Verse is not number two for me, and I don't think he's worthy of a top five. Uh, the next guy for me, and he hasn't declared yet, is Chop Robinson from Penn State. Okay. And um, But he hasn't declared that he's coming out yet, so we might have to wait another year for him. So, you know, we've got another few weeks. We got until the year that used to be a, a drop-dead date of January 15th. They moved it up so we could bring players into the All-Star Games to, like, January 7th or 8th. And then you still had the 15th day, but there can be, but they have to be juniors, not sophomores, um, not three year sophomores, but uh, to bring to an all star game. Okay. And so we can bring those guys, and supposedly you can't invite them until like the 8th of January. Well, that's, you know. We all know that's not happening. That's not you know, happening. Unofficially, probably already been invited and accepted. But on January 8th, you'll find out who. But uh, because it's just too late, you got to fill your rosters for exactly. both games, the East West and, and, and the Shrine game. So, mm -hmm. uh, or rather, the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. So these guys, you know, they've been working on it for a month already mm. on that. So, but still, we're going to find out. A bulk of the names around the 8th of January, the league will put out the official, they, there's a three-day dead period where you can pull your name out if you haven't hired an agent that starts. So that's the, the you know, the drop-dead date is the 15th. Then the 18th, the league puts out a real list. Mm -hmm. So... We'll know most of the names, but they'll be you get the official list on the 18th of January. And then you can, you know, start playing around. Then you find okay, who's it? Who's not it? Right. Chop Robinson, by the way, he uh declared on this on the, in uh, December 5th. Uh Chop oh, Robinson. He is coming up. Yes, he is. Um love Chop Robinson. Love me that chop. Uh, J2K, I think he J2K wants to see you get fired up when he asked this question. What are your thoughts on Brian Greasy, the assistant officer coordinator with the 49ers? Should bring back Ron Turner for that one. <laughs> that, that would be that would be the uh, a heavyweight match you could have in the middle of Hell's Hall Park. Uh, 
Brian Greasy is not Brian beloved Greasy by has, Brian Greasy has been a coach in the National Football League for less than one season. Mm-hmm. You're going to hire him as an OC? No. <laughs> no, I'm this not. This is hiring. his first season, and he never coached before. <laughs> I'm not hiring could him to be, announce. Could he be in the future? Yeah, I mean, Brian Greasy is a smart guy. There's no question. Mm-hmm. I just personally don't like him as a person because he's a snake. But um, very, very smart guy, very astute guy, knows offense. Yeah. But is he ready to run a team's offense? Not after only coaching for less than one year. Mm-hmm. Well, and football CF Candy says, uh, Greg, what do you feel about the Bears' opinions on their coaching staff? Still feel that they need to improve the coaching infrastructure regardless of what happens uh, when loss record. Uh, you know, it, we have not had a head coach with the Chicago Bears since you were working over at Hallis Hall that I think the fans were generally more positive than negative about, and that's, of course, Lovey Smith. Do you think that the Bears' uh, ownership and decision makers have just gone through a bad, bad luck? Well, I, I, I know in the case of when Tressman was hired, Bill Emery thought he was outsmarting everybody, and mm-hmm. Phil and I were good friends. We have not spoken one word to each other since. He hired actually since he and Tressman got fired because I I was writing for uh, the score then and you know he said you wrote some negative articles and I said I got to write the truth Phil you know he he came at me at the senior bowl and I said I think those were deserved articles you're supposed to be my friend I said I am your friend. So, um, uh, uh, Greg, no Greg, when he said you're supposed to be my friend and you said I am your friend, uh, then we lost you for a few seconds there. What did you say after that? I said I am your friend, but I also got to tell the truth. And I'm not going to lie because then I lose my own credibility. He should understand that. He should know that. Well, no, I have not, that, that I have not spoken to him, nor will I, mm-hmm. since that day. He calls you. Because then, you know, it got out. People, because some people saw it, and all of a sudden, you know, it, uh, there's some people that reported it on Twitter and, and stuff. And then Dan Bernstein asked me if I wanted to come on the score and talk about it. I said, absolutely not. It's personal matter. You don't want to talk. If you're going to talk to anyone about it, not it's not Dan Bernstein. <laughs> well, no, I mean, at that point, I was doing work for the score. I was writing for him, and I was, you know, I understand. And I was a fill-in guy and, and a football analyst. So, um, but he, you know, he sent me a note, he, you know, a text. He goes, I heard this happen. Is it true? Yeah. <laughs> Want to talk about it on the show? No. It's personal matter. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I didn't uh, want to, you know, I, I didn't want to rub Phil's yeah. face into it. Yeah. And, you know, Phil, Phil worked with me. I had a lot of respect for him. I just, you know, he came out and I thought it was wrong. Right, and, and I, I I didn't like it, so right. You know, that's that's what a true friend does. You know, I'm not going to talk about it publicly, uh, but I am going to publicly give an honest, candid evaluation of what you've done. And 
and, and so I mean that's what I'm getting that's what I'm getting paid to do. I'm not getting paid to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, football candy uh, adds. I just feel like the team requires a specific offensive mind to mold and support the offense, regardless of whoever the quarterback is. I have zero confidence that Luke is a game a pass game coordinator. A, a pass game coordinator can do that. Yeah, because Luke has never called plays. Um, worked with the one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. Has not did not prove himself. And, you know, we've talked about that. Repeated. He was the quarterback coach there. He wasn't the coordinator. Right, right, oh, right. Yeah, I mistakenly said that. Yes. Um, all right, we are past the ninety-minute mark. I think it's a good time to pull the plug on this one. There were a couple of other questions. We'll, I'll save those. I promise, Eric, and I promise. Uh, who else? David and and uh, anyone else that I failed to get to their questions. Uh Greg, are the Bears going to win this? Upcoming game against the uh, lowly Atlanta Falcons. Actually, they're not that that bad. This would be yes, and this would be no, right? Right. Okay, that's mostly a yes. yes. (laughs) They will win this week. Um, And Atlanta had a good game, real good game, against the Colts who needed the win. But that game was also played in a dome in Atlanta. Be a little colder here, mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's going to be 33, 34. I think is the forecast right now. Could be a little colder, but it's still it's a dome team coming up north to play. You know, a game on on New Year's Eve. I remember a game, a Sunday night game, but it was real cold. We played Atlanta. They quit in the first quarter. Wow, totally quit. Mike. That's wild. Um, all right. That is it for today. I apologize for the abrupt ending here, but I got to go check on my wife who is ill. And uh, Greg, you do that. have a great week, and I'll uh, talk to you very soon. Okay, brother? It was, we'll talk next year, right? Yeah, we'll talk next year. Indeed. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll uh, see you all okay. soon. See you later. Happy New Year, people. <laughs>